Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University, the co-founder of The Leveragists, as well as Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. And Jack, I am not sure about our guest today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, joining us, but I'm thinking we should run with part two of Dr. Diana Kirshner from last week. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, well, it's that weird time of year. (laughs) It really is, right? But that would be great. That's a great uh that was a great show. And even though Dr. Diana teaches a system for love and dating, it is so applicable to business and relationships in business as you're about to hear. So let me get that started for you guys. Why are we not hearing it? Do you hear it, Chuck? I do not. Like I said, we are time of year. (laughs) Even technology doesn't want to work. Guys, it's 32 seconds in. Oh, I'm hearing something, but it's really faint. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's go with plan B, Jack. Oh, I hear it. Oh, but it's so faint. Wasn't like that last week, huh? It absolutely was not. But it was a different recording last week because I played part one last week and this was going to be part two. It was one of those two-parters because it was so awesome. So if you look back in last week's show notes, guys, I gave you the link to part two just in case we had a guest this week. So you can go back there and listen to the replay of Dr. Diana because it really is an awesome, awesome episode. So, Jack, plan B is this is a really important week for anyone who's an entrepreneur. And it's that week that a few years ago we learned probably one of the biggest lessons we've ever learned in business. 
What did that lesson have to do with, Jack? Do you remember? Well, what a lot of people think of is the planning for <laughs> the next year, and I think kind of the cliche planning that everybody did, we used to do, mm-hmm. and then we did it differently. <laughs> yeah, it was so differently. Here's what we did, guys. Every year Jack and I had had businesses of our own, we did what most people do. We sat down and said, okay, what are our goals for next year for business? And then we'd go about doing what was necessary to build a plan to accomplish those goals. And what we realized a few years ago is when you do it that way, the old cliched way, business gets the better part of who you are and all your time, and life gets the leftovers. And we didn't like that very much, did we, Jack? No, but we thought that's how it had to be. It's kind of like being inside the matrix. You don't know if you don't know. And uh, we, I never, I thought that's the way it had to be. You had to bleed through the eyes and you had to suffer for your art or your business. And nobody was saying anything differently that I had run into until I did and heard that there was something different you could do. (laughs) Never occurred to me. And it doesn't occur to most people I see out there running around um, sort of like chickens with their heads cut off and saying I'm doing something really good for my family and my business and myself because I'm working really, really, really hard as if that is the, you know, the measure of success. But, I mean, that's kind of what we're taught from a young age, right? Absolutely. So what should you do this week, Jack? What was our big aha moment? Well, to plan the way we want our lives to be. And, you know, that's kind of the way you want, the reason that anybody goes into business or gets a job or, you know, gets trained for a profession is to have a certain kind of life. Um, they they think about in the early stages what it would be like to be a doctor or a consultant or a website owner or, you know, um, entrepreneur. And they think about things like, the kinds of things they'll be able to buy, the kinds of things they'll be able to do if they're into travel and all that kind of stuff, and whatever it might be that that job will enable or that business or life um, or the the kind of life that that will enable. So people go about, all right, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a uh, uh, entrepreneur. I'm going to have an e-commerce site. I'm going to make things and sell them on Etsy or whatever. And, uh, That's it. They don't bridge the gap any further than that. They just bridge it to, I'll get all of this stuff done. I'll get, you know, whatever certifications I need, any training that I need, um, any coaching and consulting that I might need, uh, and then the resources, websites, all that stuff. They immediately get to work on all of that stuff without having done this first crucial step. And if you don't put a container on all of these things that I just listed, and there's many, many more, then you, then it just blows out. There, it just is like the universe. It has absolutely no container, so it keeps expanding. That's your business, and that's everything in your business that it requires of you if you give it no constraints whatsoever. So we learned about um, this time of year designing, you know, sitting down and really thinking, just sitting down with tea or coffee or something like that away from the computer 
with a pad of paper, literally, don't try to do this even on the laptop and type it in or anything like that. Just sit with a pad of paper and really think about what you want life to be like next year and, and in years beyond, in three to five years. Um, and, and one of the things that we do in a perfect, or on, a, on our hub seats is the perfect day. So that would be a really good exercise too. Just write down from breakfast, from when you wake up to when you go to bed, what you think of as your perfect day. What would be your perfect day? It has to include work until we're, we're playing in the realm of before you sell your company and before you hit the lottery or publisher's clearinghouse comes, you're still going to have to do something to provide. So it can't be, you know, sitting on a cloud, you know, or anything like that. It's got to, it's got to also include what you would do for work. But it's, it's completely a blank slate. You can do whatever you want. And then you say, all right, here's, here's what I do. I get up for breakfast. I exercise. I do yoga. I go for a run. I walk. I hike. I walk the dog. I, you know, uh, I meditate and blah, blah, blah. You go through all of those getting readies. And then typically a lot of people, just as an example, it doesn't have to be your day, will have a mid-morning working situation. You might get on the phone and, and uh, do a group coaching session with your clients. You might um, do some sort of work in the morning. Then lunch is awesome if you have lunch and you do some things. And you, so you interweave your life and your business with your life. Because if you're really doing what you want to be doing, there is no distinction truly between what you do for business and what you do for life. And that's another thing that we like to encourage people to do uh, on hug seats is, is to think about you know, uh, it in terms of this is life. So it's not go to work and when I get off work, I'll do something fun. Going to work should be fun too. And if that's not this situation, we really greatly encourage. I mean, some people are born to suffer and they just love it and it's just their thing and they don't know any better. And even if you tell them you don't have to suffer, they want to go back to suffering <laughs> because that's the way that their you know, belief system works or whatever. And so those are those people. I can't help those people. I haven't figured out a way to help them. Um, but if you don't want to suffer as much, I mean, life is, you know, has some suffering to it. We'd never know what feeling good was if we didn't know what feeling bad was. But we can minimize that and we can balance that. And we do that by you know, uh, having a balanced approach to everything. So if you're an entrepreneur, you, you are in the lifestyle design business for yourself. And you have all this control. You were probably attracted to the whole thing uh, in part or completely because of the freedom to choose how you want your life to be. Um, but very quickly we start to become slaves to our vision or lack of vision is probably more accurate. And that is our businesses will take up every single nook and cranny that we give them. And if we don't give them any constraints, they will take up, the business will take up everything. It will demand 150% from you, which is, is actually impossible. <laughs> but it will. It will continue to go crazy. And so Gina and I had crazy, crazy businesses that really demanded an awful lot from us. And we then were happy about it because we said, look how busy we are. Look how much money we're making. Look at all of that stuff. And, and then, you know, what we didn't often tell people, but some of them can tell by looking at us, is our health was declining. I was gaining weight like crazy. I thought it was just because, you know, having a kid, I didn't have the kid, but my wife did, and the home stuff and the cooking and everything else, and she's Cajun. And, but really what it was is that my business, more than anything, was setting me up to be fat and 
out of shape and um, miserable because then I couldn't get away from this thing that I built. Yes, money was coming in. Yes, on paper, you could say I was successful, but in every other measure of what is a quality life, I was a failure. <laughs> and that's because I didn't design my life first. I didn't say, here's how I want life to be. And then business is allowed to take up anything that's left over. And a lot of people would be like, well, that doesn't sound very sick. That sounds kind of like you're a hippie. I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, business is hard. You have to work hard. You have to have a lot, a lot of hours in if you're going to have a lot, a lot of success. And then there, then Gina would say, <laughs> it's leverage, man. You got to be able to turn the actions that you would do in an analog toggle kind of on off um, one thing at a time uh, in a 24 hour day with one person. You have to touch everything in your business. You have to do everything one at a time, and you use no leverage in your business. Well, that's when you end up being a very, very, very big time workaholic. And that's what everybody says about you. They're, oh my God, you're always, always, always working. That's typically a person who has no concept of how to introduce really hardcore leverage into their lives, into their business, so that they can get multiple factors of things done with every action. And that they're not taking all the action that needs to be taken on behalf of their business in order to make it progress forward. So what that means is you've got to be able to, if you only have so much time, let's say um, uh, God forbid you have a um, an you know an accident and you're out of work. You can't work. You can't do it like you used to. Um, sort of like Gina <laughs> has a story about that, and she was not able to do what most able-bodied people were able to do after an accident and lots of surgeries and and uh, lots and lots of medical problems. And she had to, on top of that, here's insult to injury. She didn't need this much money before the injuries happened, but now she needed huge amounts more money per month for her medical bills and for her medicine. And, so, and, and she can't work nearly as much or nearly as hard or at all in the same way that she did before the accident. What a, what a, what a thing to, that the universe throws you there. <laughs> Gina, do you want to fill in any gaps there? Total double yeah. whammy. No, you you hit it the nail right on the head, Jack. And there was absolutely no way that I could make enough money to pay for my medications. I needed over $40,000 a month just to pay for my medications. And I really couldn't work all that much, a couple hours a day at most, if I didn't use leverage. It was physically impossible. So I designed everything about my business around leverage because there was no other way I could actually live to tell about it without it. It was physically impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and and the good thing that came out of that and why I I'm so happy to take this journey with Gina and 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 I know that she's really happy to pass this very specific information on to as many people as possible is because she paid through the nose. She paid dearly and almost lost her life for this information. <laughs> and and it was that in that trial by absolute fire that she came up with the idea that, it you know, universe doesn't care. At one point, she was needing all of these resources and had the ability to do it when she was well, 
But now she's not well, and she needs triple the resources she needed before just to have the life that she wanted before. Now it's just to survive. Like if she didn't do, you know, if she didn't get her medication one month, she would be dead. And so it was a, it was a, you know, it was just like that right up to the minute. So that forced her to think fast and to think about, well, all right, um, I've been a connector. I've been, I know people. Um, let me start strategizing how I can triangulate all of these different people and events and, and resources together that will enable me to do not only what I was doing before the accident, but much, much, much more than that because of the bills that are now stacking up. And the, t the amount of time that I have, there's no other way but leverage to do it. So leverage is a great big topic. It's kind of why you need a podcast to talk about it every week with lots of examples of, of guests that we have on all the time. Um, but, you know, and so tune in weekly, please, if you would like to get all of those examples because it takes far too long than in one show to talk all completely about leverage. We've had workshops on it, three-day workshops of all the different ways you can do um, things that you might understand, like joint ventures and affiliate programs and, um, you know, how to leverage connections, how to network properly so that you can get really, really farther down the road with your business than you ever could by yourself. So a lot of people will go, all right, well, my business, I mean, I've heard people put together five-year plans, so I'm going to put together a five-year plan because it seems like that's what you do. You know, um, <laughs> lots of people, lots of business experts talk about three- to five-year things. So what do you want to happen there and what do you want to happen there? What a lot of them forget to tell you is that things should escalate and ramp up a lot faster than that um, and the only way that they're saying that it should take three to five years to get really where you want to go, and it might still do that, but it shouldn't be a bleeding through the eyes experience. It shouldn't be an experience like Gina had. You know, you shouldn't have to get sick or have like a big giant life lesson dumped in your lap in order to really appreciate that leverage can get you where you want to go, sometimes almost instantly. And I know that sounds kind of like hyperbole, but think about it. There it's are people not. in your life... Yeah. So, I mean, give an example, Gina, of when somebody was just at one point, because you've worked with so many hundreds and hundreds of clients directly, and you have lots and lots of examples. Example. My first business is the perfect example. I'm way too sick. I'm going through major, major operations, 20 to 24-hour operations, like every six months. And I'm starting a brand-new business. <laughs> Well, you don't have a lot of options at that point. So my first business, I thought I had a small nest egg of about $20,000. I thought I was going to become a day trader. But even as a day trader, I needed leverage. So I decided there were these new membership sites. I was going to join five of them so that I would be able to figure out how they were doing day trading and what stocks and options they were trading to be able to make more out of my $20,000 because I needed that 20 to become 40 every single month. So I went to five membership sites. I said, look, your fees are way more than I can afford. They were 500 to to $1,000 a month. I said, I would be willing to come in and teach my very unusual system to your members one hour a week in return for a free membership. They said, wow, really? That's awesome, because they didn't offer anything like that at that time. 
So they gave me a free membership in return. I went in and taught one hour a week during the lunch hour slowdown. Well, a couple months in, the members of each one of these five membership sites are begging me to have my own place where they could all come five days a week. And I don't want to do something against these five membership sites. They had really been good to me, and that's what allowed me to be able to do the, the level of volume that I needed to do every month. So my first real business was also a day trading membership site. However, it's what we teach today as integration marketing. In order to join my membership site, you had to first be a member of one of those five membership sites. And I even got the five membership sites to willingly put the second site into their funnels, Jack. So after you joined their site, you could add on another membership for an extra $125 a month. Now, I didn't pay them out of that. What I did was my membership supplemented their membership. I didn't duplicate what they were doing. Mine was just for education, but people could come five days a week for a small window of education every day. And boy, oh boy, by the end of about two weeks, I had 500 people paying me $125 a month do the math, that's over $50,000 a month, and there was my medications and being able to pay for a nice lifestyle. So 100% leverage. I never had to advertise. I never had to drive traffic separately. I just had five JV partners who kept me with a waiting list at all times. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that in detail because I think a lot of people uh, would love to hear a little bit more about how this works in a mindset situation. So what you just described is nothing like anything anybody ever hears about unless they're in a Directions U course, <laughs> you know, or yeah, leverage exactly. it to something else. But nobody ever learns business that way. Everybody to a, to a T learns that, you know, you work really, really hard, and, and the, everything that comes to you is a result of how late you stayed up last night and the night before and the night before and then, and then in the, over the next, you know, couple of years. And it's all on the backs of, of the single entrepreneur who's trying to make it happen. And maybe someday I'll be able to meet somebody important enough and big enough to do a deal like you just talked about. And what's illogical about that is you just said how you did it and you just said how new and green you were to these people. You were brand new. They didn't know you at all. And you made this happen in a matter of how – what's the space of time that this all happened? Less than a month. Okay, so where's the three to five years? Where, where, where is that? I mean, how did you do that, and did you have special advantages? I mean, let's really clear that up and spend a little time because a lot I of people, even if you're consciously – Go ahead. I had one giant advantage, Jack. Death. Failure was not an option because if I didn't make it happen, I would literally be dead. It was not like, okay, maybe I'd get a little sicker. If I did not make the $40,000 a month, I would die in under 90 days. So you couldn't fail. 
You had to find a way to make it happen, period, end of story. So you picked up the phone and made phone calls to call some membership sites. And at the time, the Internet was really new. This was in 1997. And back then, there weren't a whole lot of day trading membership sites. There were less than 10 of them. And I needed five of them to say yes to me. So at most, I could make 10 phone calls. (laughs) I think I made about seven to get five yeses. So you really have to look at what you're going to say in the conversation in a very strategic way. I couldn't go in raving about how great I was and how much I had to offer. I was brand spanking new. I had been paper trading for about three or four months. Hadn't even put my first dollars into the market yet. So obviously I can't go out and talk about my successes yet. I had to look at who my JV partners were and what they would really want to hear. And as long as I focused on their win and the win for their customers, they were going to say yes. And in their case, none of the membership sites had any kind of training programs at all. All they did was call out what stocks to get into, what options to get into, and when to sell. That was it. So by serving the audience that also wanted training, it actually helped improve their overall conversions and therefore allowed them to get that many more customers. And that's what I played up on those first few phone calls. And every one of them saw it immediately that that would absolutely improve two things, their sales And their stick rate. People would be more amenable to staying longer term because of the education. And it sure did work out that way. Back then, the average amount of time that someone was paying $500 to $1,000 to be a part of these membership sites was six to eight months. But the minute they had to be a member of that site before they could join my $125 a month site, the stick rate went to over 18 months. So one of the things that maybe people should hear a little bit more is that you didn't go out and do traditional anything. Uh, is that you, I did not. Uh, somebody saying, I want to start a $125 a month membership site. They're going to start talking about, well, I need, I need software to run the membership site, and I need copy and I need graphics and I need all this stuff and then I, I got to figure out how to do this because I don't know how to do this and bam somebody's on a three to five year plan right there this, that's as easy as it happens and once you start focusing on all of those things Gina didn't mention software to run a membership site she didn't none of the things that she just talked about were any of the things that I just listed off but that's where most people start and that's where most three you to five year plans start back? Yeah, I want to know why you weren't talking about those things. I did not have a website. My first website was in 2002, and this started in 1997. No website. I had something like a bridge line, and that bridge line everyone called into 
and it did all of the recordings for me, so that's all I had. And I had an autoresponder type system. I had something set up to send emails so I could remind people. That was it. And back then, I even let people send me checks in the mail. Yeah, that was checks in the mail stage. I had a little business when I was starting out in 98 where people were sending me $20 checks for some really light-duty training. I mean, but there wasn't, you know, it was hard to get a merchant account back then. You had to be a... They didn't think we were bona fide businesses back then. I mean, we really had to. No, and all of us not. helped make it so that so that you could do that today. I mean, like we had to really, really fight to finally get something like Authorized Net to approve us, and you had to pretend yourself up to the point of being the kind of business they would like to work with. And uh, so, you know, while we're playing that game, we still have to eat. Gina still has to live and get medication. What do you do? You accept checks. And you don't have a website. I mean, there wasn't even membership site anyway. There was no software back then that really made, in any way that you would recognize now, uh, there was nothing like that. And so nowadays people think, well, everybody says you have to do things a certain way. And so you automatically knee-jerk, especially when you don't have any experience. You're totally relying on the experience of those who came before you. And if those who came before you start saying you've got to have a membership site, and it's got to be hooked up to PayPal, and, and it's, got to be, it's got to do it this way and this way and this way. That's the moment that you start to forget about why you're doing this in the first place. That's the moment. That's a big, big rabbit hole. that I've, I've watched people go down, and they haven't come back out yet after 10 years. They're still messing around with not the problem. They're messing around with some side gig, which is all the mechanics of a business. I've got to get the mechanics right. I can't launch yet. I can't launch yet. I can't launch yet. I can't launch yet. And then, you know, I mean, I don't wish that anybody would ever be in a situation like Gina's. So I, I, what I'd rather is that everyone listening to this right now who are, who are in a situation where, you know, you think you're going to have to go down a long, long road, you're not real sure about it, um, how are you going to make ends meet in the meantime and all of that? Really, really pay attention today's ep- to today's episode. Really, really sit down and think about not only – now this is all survival mode and all numbers and everything else, right? What we just talked about with Gina is, is, is just the numbers, how she put together 40000 plus a month in order to meet those obligations to her life, <laughs> And, and so, you know, how do people get to the point where they are as laser-focused? Um, you know, Gina, if, if somebody was, uh, you know, if you were in a fighting situation, somebody just drew a sword on you back in the day or threw a spear or had a gun at your head, you, you know what it's like to have an adrenaline rush that t- turns your focus to just a laser, laser, laser focus. And you kind of had the same situation yeah. happen when the doctors told you you're on a month-to-month basis right now. And, and, and without these medications and treatments and surgeries, you're going to die. And here's the bill. That's the same thing to me as somebody holding a gun to your head. Or it ought to be, because <laughs> either way, you are about to die, or you have a great, great potential to die. And then you get that focus. So how do you get that focus when you're not about to die? When you're going to have a comfortable bed to sleep in tonight, you know you're pretty sure you're going to wake up tomorrow without dying in your sleep. You're going to your health is okay. Your, you know, everything is kind of in, in, in um, you know, status quo stage. 
Well, it is very hard. I talked to um, a couple of really successful people over the years about that, and, and I asked, why do people who come from backgrounds where they started out at bankruptcy and then they started to build their business and everything, or they had a near-death experience or whatever it might be, why are there so many stories like that when ultra-successful people who are now ultra-successful are being interviewed? Those are typically the people who do get interviewed or the people who have reached a really high level of success, and lots and lots of them s start their stories with, I, I, something really bad happened. And, what you know, uh, bankruptcy, let's take that one. Lots of people start out with that. And entrepreneurial people will take risks more than non-entrepreneurial people. And that puts you in a higher risk category for having to possibly face a bankruptcy, or maybe even two. But that's a choice. You know, it's not a bad person or anything. It's just entrepreneurial success, and, and, and in some areas, um, you know, runs a really high risk. And people are willing to take that risk for the reward that comes out. And they're also willing to risk the, the you know, going bankrupt or whatever. But it's an ultra-focusing point in people's lives that they usually start their success story in an interview. You guys know this, right? You've listened to and watched and read interviews all your lives. And in all your lives of reading interviews and listening to people talk about where they started, where they got their start, they all start the same place. I was super, super poor. I was okay, and then I lost everything. It was great until my, my health failed. And then, of course, they're being interviewed because they did something about it. They succeeded. And, you know, and it's that moment I asked if, if it's, it's possible for people to succeed without having one of those defining moments, without having one of those scary moments in their lives. And um, some people I talked to said, no, I don't believe at all that it's possible for somebody to really succeed at their highest level unless they have one of those big moments, one of those big focusing moments. And it doesn't have to be near death. It doesn't have to be bankruptcy. But there has to be something cathartic that happens in your life. And you can actually make this happen. This is the good news. You, know, you don't have to almost die. You don't have to declare bankruptcy but, or get a divorce and, or any of those kinds of things. But you do have to make something really, really, really big happen, cathartic, something that changes your life into two pieces before it happened and after it happened. My life was this before, and now my life is this now. It has to split your life in two, something. So one of those things would just be going through the exercise of the realization that you are mortal, and you will die like all of us will one day. Uh, of natural causes, let's just, you know, let's just say it's going to be completely just old age. You're going to die, but you're going to die. So you can figure out by, based on how old you are right now um, and the average life expectancy and how well you've treated yourself over the years and how much exercise you do and all of that or not, you can easily calculate. Uh, you, can know, you, know, you can figure out how much time you've generally got left unless you make some changes and, and you want to extend that a little bit in some way. But it, it all comes down to the same thing. One day, you're not going to wake up. One day that's all going to be over. So what do you want to do with your life? What I've just given you is the same thing that Gina's doctor gave her. The only difference is hers was about a month out, and yours is a definite, but you've got more time. But I'm going to pronounce to you right now, I'm not a doctor, but I am pretty confident I can say 
that you will die one day. You're going to die. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, I am too. We're all going to die. So you've just got the bad news, or it could be good news, but it should be a focusing event for you in your life where you stopped thinking about all the ancillary periphery stuff that doesn't matter, and you start picking up the list of things that you've made before and focusing on them, the things that do matter. And then during this part of the year, it's a really good thing when people are always naturally knee-jerk planning for the rest of uh, for the next year. Jack gave you a prognosis. You are going to die, expire one day like everyone else. And so you can turn that around and pretend like, you know, get a picture of me in your head with a white lab coat on. I'm your doctor. Now, I've just told you, there's nothing wrong with you, and it's natural for everyone to do this, but you are going to die. And then sit down with that pad of paper and go, what do I want the rest of my life to be like? This is really what it's all about. Gina gave you some very practical things that she did to make the numbers happen, to make the business happen, to make all that happen. But those weren't the most important pieces of information in what she conveyed. The most important piece of information that she conveyed was the mindset that the focus of about to die gave her. That was the most important thing because you'll do all kinds of extraordinary things in a situation where you have become that kind of laser focused. And let me fill in one more gap. Before I went out and implemented the plan, I actually had to build the plan. The plan became the plan based on a few pieces of information. Number one, I'm really, really sick. I know that if I really push myself, I could probably work about two hours a day, five days a week. But doing much more than that just isn't going to be a possibility. So how am I going to build an entire business that can amass that kind of money with two hours a day? And what other assets do I have to work with? I've got a computer, I've got $20,000, but it's a very finite $20,000. If that $20,000 and my time doesn't make me more money, it's gone, I'm done, I'm dead. I also know I can actually build relationships. I've done really well at that over my whole lifetime. So how can I use my connector ability? And then I figured out what the plan was going to look like. So, step one, figure out the vision you have for your life. What do you want life to look like, especially that perfect day exercise that Jack gave you? Step two, what assets do you have to work with? You've got a computer. What else do you have? What knowledge do you have? What resources do you have? And now, how can you combine all of those assets to create the life that you really want to live doing it through business? It's that three-step process that turned into what I told you. <clears throat> and under, under the resources tab or bullet on the list that I know everyone listening is making right now, under that resources tab, you're going to, right when you're writing that, you're going to go, I don't have enough resources. I don't have the right connections. I don't have all the things. Now, this is the problem. Everybody gets to this part and says, write out a list and then collect all your resources, analyze your assets, 
And right when I get to that point, the podcast is over, and nobody ever tells me what I'm supposed to do about this massive deficit in resources that I need to move forward with this plan. So before this podcast ends, why don't we deal with that? And, and, and Gina is the best at talking about this, but I'll start you off. Uh, what Gina did when she got done with that list, she didn't have those five uh, membership site owners. She didn't have them in her pocket. She didn't have the, you know, she had the ability to call them, and that was it. They'd never met before. She didn't have any name dropping that she could do because she was so new in the industry, they wouldn't recognize any of the names she worked with anyway. They'd be too small. She didn't have anything. And so under her resources tab, there were some maybes, and you need to write those down. You need to write down, well, um, I can't picture talking to Tony Robbins, but it would really be cool if I left that out there, that if I'm in the self-help industry, that some kind of uh, uh, connection with that or um, Mind Valley Academy, or if you're in self-help, uh, for example, you know, some kind of connection there can, can happen. You might not ever become best friends with Vishen Lakani. You might not ever actually get to shake Tony Robbins' hand, but they have a giant network of corporations, companies, uh, and, and connections that branch out from there. All the people, all the authors that are published by Mind Valley Academy, um, all of the people that Tony Robbins touches, all of the businesses that are involved there. So at the end of the day, you might not go, well, I never did get to talk to Tony, but look at this million-dollar deal that I did by going in that direction and not cutting that off for myself because I'm too small, I don't have the resources, I don't have the connections, so I'm not even going to think about the word Tony Robbins again because I'm not even there. Maybe in five years I'll do it because I'll be big enough. Well, if you're big enough, you don't need to talk to Tony anymore. <laughs> then it's just luxury stuff. You want a new yacht. This is to save your life. So it's a totally different situation. So a lot of people cut themselves off right at this resource moment, at this bullet point that Gina mentioned, and says, well, here's my little tiny paltry little list of resources. I don't know how I'm going to take that list, and that's the problem. That's where everybody gets stuck. You don't take that list. You don't get anywhere just with that list. You have to fill in, write a little bit lighter, or indicate, or sub-bullet, or whatever you have to do, indent one more time, and say, here's the other things that I would like to have, that I require to have, the connections that I need to start developing, networking, getting these people together in exactly the same way that Gina did because she didn't leave anything out today. She didn't leave any other stuff out about what happened. So there was no little secret because and, and, at the end of this, we're not selling you anything. So it's not like we're going to sell you the secret. There is none to sell. And even if there was, we wouldn't sell it as a podcast. It, you know, we give everything here. So here's the part that I think is, that is always missing in, in these kinds of things is that resource tab. Gina, how would you tell people you know, about how to, how to look at that one part of the planning process so that they don't freak out and give up right there? So my resources were very paltry, Jack. Two hours a day, a computer, $20,000. Think about 1997. I didn't even have a Google that I could go and search. It didn't exist yet, guys. I knew of one membership site and only one membership site that I could potentially target with a phone call. So I asked that membership site guy who else was in his industry. He knew about two others. So I got two more people I could call. 
I asked both of them who they knew, and each of them gave me a couple of people that I could then go and call. And altogether, I talked to about seven people to get my five. So that resources tab, like Jack says, it's going to be skinny when you first put the list together. Underneath it, absolutely do what Jack just suggested, indent in and put down all the other resources you'd like to have to create the vision that you have for your life and your business and the good that you want to do in the world. And then go find the other people that already have those resources and find ways to get them to willingly contribute their resources for your plan. That's as hard as it is. Now, that's a little bit tough. That, okay, and this is another tripping point. So we've gotten you that far. You've already gotten further than you typically get in this exercise. This is great. Pat ourselves on the back, all that kind of stuff. But there's another tripping point. What, did, fill, fill in the blanks a little bit on that part of it, Jeannie, because I can see a lot of people again going, oh, no, well, here we go. I mean, thank you for that last part, but this part now is tripping me up. How do you get them through that? Well, think about when I needed those five membership site owners to bring me their members so that they could then pay me $125 a month to join my membership site. I'm not going to pay these guys commissions on the $125 because I still need that $40,000 a month to save my life. So I had to really think about how could I willingly get them to bring me their members so that I'd be able to get what I needed. And it's a very different exercise. It's not, well, I'm going to pay you half of my $125. So I had to sit down and think about it. What would they really like? Well, number one, they'd like more members paying them the $500 to $1,000 a month. If I'm adding value to what they're offering, they'll absolutely get more people paying them 500 to to $1,000 a month. So that's a given. Number two, if they could increase their stick rate from the six to eight months to closer to 18 months, they'd end up making three times more money, wouldn't they, Jack? Yep, and money talks. So I didn't have to give them a portion of the money I was going to get I just had to give them more of what they really wanted, more members and a higher stick rate. And as long as I could deliver on that promise, they were going to do whatever it was I needed them to do. How can you do the exact same thing with your plan? I would encourage everyone to get rid of whatever you've learned thus far or put it off to the side. Don't get rid of it. But here's what people typically talk about. They talk about joint ventures. Now, in a live-or-die situation, you don't have time to work on the traditional joint venture. Um, You'll have the time later, and that will be something that you might want to do, but joint ventures and affiliate programs are the most expensive things you can possibly do to grow your business because those guys want pretty big commissions to even begin to think about promoting for you. And so when Gina was talking about 50%, that's, you know, when we came from off offline 
to the Internet and, and from physical products to information products, it was really hard for people to understand how you could possibly swallow giving up 50% and sometimes even more of, of your sales um, just to get somebody to joint venture with you. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of infrastructure. Something's got to track all of that stuff, and you don't have time. Those are great tactics. Those are the ones people teach first, but they don't belong in the first teachings of how to really grow your business. They belong somewhere at the mid-level. So you can't and do quite those frankly, traditional Jack, things. You mm-hmm. just hit on why I didn't pay them a percentage of $125. Affiliate program software didn't exist in 1997. It didn't get How created until it? after 2000. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't yeah. pay so them another because good I couldn't track it. But now people can. <laughs> and so it's so tempting at 3 in the morning when you've been up all night looking for your big breakthrough idea, you need things to happen faster, and somebody's trying to sell you their affiliate software. And you think, oh, this is what I need, and actually that's not what you need. You may, I mean, you may need it at some point, but you, but you, but you need to spend that 3 in the morning, whatever's left in your tank, uh, if you can't go to sleep and you still need to work on your business because you'd feel you'd just stay awake worrying about it anyway, spend that time thinking very, very creatively and take off the table whatever you were about to do. Say that it's not possible. That's the thing that saved Gina is these things weren't possible. So it wasn't even something that she had to worry about setting aside and considering because there was nothing to consider. And then also on top of that, always being a a, a got-to-live situation, she could easily look at something that was going to take too much time and say, no, I can't do that, I'll die. You don't have that luxury. If you can call that a luxury, but for you know for success purposes, that kind of was a luxury. She she was able to figure it out. So what is that thing that prevents you from from looking at something that's going to take too much time and being tempted to do it anyway? It would be your plan. It would be your plan that's going to back you up. If you have a goal to get somewhere significant for your first benchmark from today to six months from now or three months from now or two or one month from now, and you can set those kinds of short-term goals. If you know what we're talking about today, you heard what Gina said, you know that it's possible to set those kinds of short-term goals to make fairly significant or very monumental progress towards your goals. If you put that plan together, you sit down with that pad of paper and you talk about this is what I want my life to be like. This is, you know, there's going to be times where it's going to be hectic. You're going to launch something. You're going to need to work and burn the midnight oil from time to time, but your overall balance in life is much, much better than it probably is right now. And that is that you have a life. And uh, and your business is so incorporated with your life and you love it so much that it's part of your life. And you map all of that stuff out. You talk about here's how I'm going to spend my typical day when I'm not launching, when my book isn't done and I have to, you know, launch it and go on tour and do podcasts and stuff. But that's when you, I mean, we're not saying you don't ever work your butt off when you really, really have to. Um, But the other times, you know, where your day is just like, this is great. You could say I'm the kind of person who's now finally living the laptop lifestyle if you're into that kind of language or, you know, you can say that your life is the way you want it to be or very, very close to it, or you're working toward it, and it's just a few months away to your next benchmark, a quality check for your life and your business and the balance that it has. 
when you have a plan that you really believe in, when you have written all of these things out, what you want your typical day to be like, what you want um, you know, at the end of your first year to be like, both in the amount of money that you're making, that your money that your business is generating, and the amount of time and that, that your business demands of you, um, being very, very well balanced with the life that you want to lead, uh, then you have something that can say, oh, JVs can't do that. I can't. It doesn't fit in my plan. And no amount of your cajoling or convincing me about how I need to have a JV program will convince me otherwise because I have a plan that backs me up every single step of the way. And I can immediately make snap decisions with utter confidence that I'm because I'm I've got this plan because I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I can't be pinballed all over the Internet like I was before. Here's that split, my life before and my life after. So if you have that split and you really realize at one point that you have, you have cut your life in two, you've bifurcated your life into before and after, and you're now living the after, then it makes the plan is solidified, and you can go forward with utter confidence that you're doing you're making all the right moves. And somebody comes up with an advertisement to something, and you say, oh, man, I'd love to do that. Wait a minute. doesn't fit in my plan. It's gone. It's out of here. I'm going to stick to my thing. I'm going to keep going. Because you just heard a story today about how someone made something out of absolutely nothing, no time, no resources, nothing, nothing, dust. And in a month, it, everything was changed around. In a month, she was doing $40,000 a month plus. It was nothing. I mean, and she had these benefits. She was about to die, and uh, the technology didn't exist that would distract you and I today. If you were looking at how you were going to get to the next point in your business, we typically knee-jerkly go to the Internet, do a search, and try to find a software solution out of our problem, try to find a paid solution out of our problem, try to find a, a lengthy, involved process solution to get out of our problem. And then when we can't find anything there, it's like we forgot that we don't need any of that, none of that. And we get despondent. We get, we, we, we get depressed. We're like, oh, I've been at this for so long and nothing's really worked. And Well, that's because you've always had a comfortable bed to sleep in. You've always had a roof over your head. You've never been about to die. And you've got way too many resources at your disposal. You've got an embarrassment of riches of things to choose from that distract you from the goal setting that you never did, the goal thing being not what you traditionally do this time of year, but what we talked about, what you want your ideal life to be like, within which your business has to fit. It has to be like that foam that you squirt into cracks and it fills up the whole crack in your foundation. And, and then it can go no further. It can't go anywhere else. So you've given it a container. And then so you're like, well, this is all the time I have. Wow, that's how am I going to do this? Your number one thing with a capital L is leverage. Use leverage. Be smart. And usually that means don't do things that you've learned in any of the books that you've read on marketing, in any of the courses that you've taken on marketing. It means thinking outside of all of that stuff because all of that stuff assumes that you've got all the financial resources and all the time in the world to develop this business as if you have no deadlines, no goals for the completion of the different stages of growth in the business that you have. So that's my piece of it. <laughs> that's hard to do in an hour, Gina. It really is, isn't it, Chuck? But guys, we're really serious. It will revolutionize 
how you think about your business and your life. If you really take this to heart and just do it, don't question it. Just do it. It is well, what, what mind-blowing. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left, but what, what happened when after our first year for you, the first year we planned it this way? Oh, my gosh, Jack. It was unbelievable how different life became. Life got the better part of me. Business got the leftovers. It was so awesome. Well, and also for for me, things started happening that would never have happened if I hadn't changed my life from from, you know, to after, before and after, and really said from this point on, I'm a different man. Everything that I do, everything that I think about in business is going to be different. And um, I didn't know. This is not a plan where you have every single little possibility written out. And it's not to go get on some mind mapping software. Again, going for a software solution to a problem that's handled with a pen and paper is not a good idea here. All that planning and all that stuff that I talked about is very, very general, very, very basic. Because there's so many things that are going to happen on the road, on the way there, on the journey, that are going to be like, holy crap, I would have never planned for this. I wouldn't even have had the audacity to dream that something like this would even happen. But here it is. And the only reason that people see those things on the road, on the journey, is that they're open to them. And that they haven't planned everything out so much, so meticulously, that they've got 50,000 bullet points under every single line item, and outside of which... They don't. It's like putting blinders on. And Universe will come and tap you on the shoulder and say, Gina, check this out. Here's a guy who can do everything that you want to do in one fell swoop. You don't need to go get five guys. If you're open to that, you'll see it. If you're not, it'll go right to the next person. The Universe wants that to happen for somebody and it doesn't care who. And if you don't have your eyes open to see it because you've planned everything so much, I'm, I'm talking to you type A people, be very, very careful that we're not talking about making everything just down to the minutest detail and that you don't get thrown off your plan, that doesn't mean that if somebody comes up and you have the eyes to see that they're going to be able to give you exposure for your business, they're going to be able to give you resources or whatever it might be, that you have your eyes open to that. If you don't, those people will just pass right on by, and that happens to people every day. It just now happened to somebody you know in business. They, weren't, they didn't have their eyes open, and some opportunity just flew right by because they're, they're going completely by the plan. And then we're not telling everybody today that once you get this plan down, that it's the kind of plan that you can live off of and without having, having to think uh, because it's not detailed in that way. Um, crazy, crazy things will happen. It's amazing what happens. It really is. And, you know, guys, if you need help with doing that resources part, then one of the things that you can do is download the Leverage Black Book at leverageblackbook.com. From there, it'll give you tons of resources on how to build that plan. Do a plan it, sell it, then co-create it. You're not actually having to go out and plan it, then create it before you sell it. It's the opposite. You plan it, then you sell it, then you go and co-create it with a live audience. It'll revolutionize everything. 
Well, and there's nothing better than an example of Microsoft. Of yeah, I think we ran yeah, out of time. Right? I was just going to say Microsoft is the best example of that because they plan it, sell it, then create it with everybody else. That's why people come out with beta versions of their software. It must be tested under stress. And if it's not, then they're never going to get to the next stage. So if you're thinking, yeah. well, nobody does that. Nobody creates that way. You have to have everything done. You have to spend a year doing it, and then you release it. And by that time, most people don't even care about the product anymore, which a lot of people find. So what Gina just said is really important, and it works in the wild, and many, many, many companies use it as for examples. Well, we will be back same time next week. Have a fabulous week and a happy new year, everyone. Hi, everyone. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.